This is Mission Disco, a conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick. And I am Brian Sanders. And we are your DJs for this conversation. Brian. Simon. Good to have you back. <laughs> As we do another uh, podcast online, I think this is the third or fourth one we've done, although you're in a different place now, you're um, back in the dungeon. And and just just for the record, we technically could have gotten together today. Like it's legal for you to be in the office, and I'm here, and you're not. And I just want to point that out, just for the record, that you could have been face to face with me today, and you're choosing not to. So whatever that means, read into it, listener, as you. <laughs> I just trying to hold off the amount of recordings we have to do face to face. So. Good. Well, with distance, but with I, distance. Yeah, with distance, exactly. And that small little room that we record the podcast in. Anyway, good to see you. Um, it is good to have a slight more freedom maybe than we've um, had. Um, over the past few weeks, we've been talking a little bit about mission and, and church, and it's been strange in a situation where we've kind of been stuck at home. But I know across the island, things have been changing. Um, as people listen to this, churches are opening. Um, well, churches are allowed open. Um, from this Sunday all across the island and I know Catholic Church has been open this week so it's an interesting time a strange time for churches for missionaries for people thinking about what church looks like at this time so um, yeah we're going to have a little discussion Um, we were just talking there normally on this podcast we talk a little bit kind of about theory and we've interviewed people we've talked a little bit about what church could be like we've you know we've we've done different podcasts interviewing people um but we haven't had a huge amount of examples. I remember we interviewed Andrew Irvine back near the beginning about um, city centre chaplaincy, where there's a little bit of a, a delve into what he does and what, what it looks like. But today we're delighted to welcome on um, Paul and Paula Gallucci, who are based in uh, Limavady in the north of this island. Um, I don't know if you call it a small market town. I have vague memories of you calling it a market town um, in the past. Um, and they've been on a bit of a journey and they can tell us a little bit about how long you've been in Limavady, um, but they've been on a journey um, rethinking what church looks like and um, probably on a journey themselves as well, personally, about what church is like. Um, so we're getting the opportunity today to talk a little bit about what life is like in Limavady, what it's like uh, within your church. They're pioneer mission leaders uh, within the Methodist Church based in Limavady um, at the moment. And we're looking forward to chatting with you. Um, would you want to um, fill us in just a little bit about kind of maybe who you are and your journey to this point, what your kind of understanding of church, that kind of thing? Yeah, okay. Well, thanks. Thanks, Aaron, Brian. Uh, yeah, we are, um, uh, I suppose, we're, 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 so I'm from England originally and, and Paul is from over, over here, but we've been over in Northern Ireland within the Methodist Church for about the past 11, 12 years. And uh, we've got four boys uh, who keep us very busy. But I suppose uh, for us, church-wise, um, uh, we're involved for quite some time within sort of the chaplaincy sector, and uh, so working with so we, uh, within that ministry. When we came out of that and went back into local church, uh, there was a real disconnect for us uh, and and for me in sort of leadership to see uh, that church was seemed to be an activity to attend, uh, and no matter how many. Pre- programs were running 
there wasn't the kind of the, the rub of life with people um, and helping people grow and the kind of church you would have seen in, in, in Acts. Uh, although Acts, you know, the church in Acts was still fumbling their way through with the help of the Holy Spirit. We weren't really seeing that rub where we were. And that then started us on a journey of looking at actually what is there a better way, um, or at least for us, which will help uh, scratch that itch for us as much as what ministry looks like, but also help people to be followers of Jesus together in the whole of their lives. And so that started in Newton Arts uh, at Mavilla Abbey. And then we were uh, stationed up here in the Valley about six years ago now. Yeah, yeah. And it was a time in our sabbatical whenever that really gave us a space to think and process the kind of church that we would love to be part of um, and it gave us space to go to a church that kind of was an example of that and do a load of reading and chatting and dreaming and we came back different after that with a new real sense of of, of God's leading us to start something different and it was a really small start but it, it just has has been a new road that we've been traveling on so we've never been about like the big church the mega church it just doesn't fit the church that's full of programs and busyness and um, i guess it, it we can see how that just takes away people's time and and actually relationships we know is the way that that is is of jesus that way of love and the way of time with people and when you're busy doing a load of good stuff potentially and um, but if it robs you of, of time that you could be investing in people then it just doesn't it didn't fit with us um, and then the model of church which um, we're trying to follow now is is trying to help people um, strip back and and lead a more simple way of living um, that encourages relationships with each other and that then is what grows your spirit and your soul and your walk with Jesus mm. and, and brings other people along that don't know Jesus yet alongside with you. Yeah, we were, um, I suppose the challenge uh, off the back of sabbatical uh, many years ago now was, uh, you know, to just to do something and if it's of Jesus, it will stick. And so that's something was, uh, I suppose, the term being a missional community and from within a large church, Mavilla um, Abbey. And it was a bit of a pilot group. We were exploring exploring what it meant to uh, be on mission as a family together with some others from our church and and that did stick and it got gravity and we saw that um, others from the church who were hearing about what was going on wanted in and uh, and as we were leaving that church there was a, a very small number of um, mission communities set up we call them life groups uh, and then Michael Spence came in after us and he's continued to build that work and now really Mavilla Abbey uh, both the Methodist Congregation and the Anglican Congregation are a network of um, missional communities uh, in varying forms and shapes, but really that's how they uh, they call it their heartbeat. Mm. So when we arrived um, up uh, at Limavadi, I had a very small congregation here. I also had responsibility for another church, which I was later able to um, uh, okay. hand over to, to someone else's care to focus on, uh, on building up uh, the, the life and, and mission here. Uh, and so we treated this very small bunch of people who were very faithful, that were praying for what God had for them, for what was next. Uh, we just, from, get, from the get-go, they were our life group, our missional community, and this is what we're about. And we started very gently just trying to introduce the fact that we are missionaries here. No matter if you're born here and you've grown up here, and you know, we don't need to go to 
deepest darkest in Peru. Uh, but we are where God has put us, uh, but to live intentionally as missionaries together here. Yeah, and it was it was just relationship building. I mean, that's the key, and I'll probably keep saying that, but it was all about the relationships with these people. It was getting to a point where they trusted us, where they knew what we were about, um, that they could see our love for Jesus, and that that's what our passion and our, our, our heart was for for loving him well and loving others and reaching out within that. Um, and and so it, it took time. It took time to, to kind of build that relationship and um, and that trust. And yeah, then whenever we did start actually physically meeting and, and trying to be regular with that, eating together was a big thing. Um, and, and chewing over the word with them and and what life looks like as a disciple of Jesus. Um, that's I guess when we and really praying I mean prayer has been the the foundation and all of this as well knowing that you know we just need God to bring people to us we need God to to change hearts and to change minds and to teach these people um and yeah as we as we were praying we said God we need people to just come and help us with this and to walk alongside us in this um, and we want to see your your church grow here um, and we just saw God add to our number just bring along people in their ones and twos and one family at a time and um, we began outreach into the community through a mums and toddlers group and through that that was our first family that came and then it just started to grow and grow and grow steadily um, and to the point where then that one life group that we began with needed to become two um, and since then then there was a third one and now there we're at four life groups and it's it's just small gradual growth um, and in all of that all along the way it's it's building those relationships with people and investing in them yeah and I suppose it's around it rounds a, a, around Ephesians 4 you know about the ministry of all believers and I think that's something which is really underpins uh, I suppose the how we see the church function is that you know we're uh, I suppose we're about equipping and uh, uh, the people all, all of us for the work of ministry and using the gifts and the possibilities and the positions God's placed us in in the whole of our lives for ministry and, and to be a church that cheers one another on uh, and also joins up to to do stuff together along the way so I'm, I'm kind of curious about you know there's I don't want to belabor this, but the, the the role of the sabbatical. So not not that I think everybody needs to rush off and get a sabbatical, although that sounds lovely. Uh, but I'm curious because I, I do feel like to make these kind of big shifts, big changes in our in our ministry, the way we see it, the way we do it, does it need kind of like that? Do we all need something like that? Some moment where you're you're not doing what you were doing before. You get a minute to think or reflect. So I guess I'm curious, I wanted to ask you, how critical do you think that was? Like, would you have made these changes without the sabbatical? Would you have found your way to this slightly different way of doing church, of approaching ministry and life without the sabbatical? Or do you think that's essential? Like, there's no way to stop the, the snowball, the train of ministry without some kind of break like that. What do you think? Uh, that's, that's a great question. I, I think I'd love to. I'd love to think that um, we would still be, I suppose, leaning into what God puts on our hearts. But I really feel the sabbatical was so significant because uh, I, I guess up to the point of sabbatical, we were, we were feeling slightly 
frustrated, not with the people at all, but just with the sense of trying to minister in a certain way. System. And there was a disconnect with how I wanted to, or how I felt I, I could minister and how perhaps the church wanted to be ministered to. <laughs> and so, uh, but things were all good, but it's just, uh, I was getting frustrated with, um, yeah, the, the, the things that maybe could have been different. Mm. And without the pausing for a sabbatical, I don't think I would have had the chance. We wouldn't have had the, the talking space, the yeah. chance to read, to think, to enter into other people's worlds and perspectives mm. to try and work out actually what the problem was mm. uh, and yeah. come up with some sort of sense of direction. I tell you, it's a bit like um, if if you've been out walking with a map and a compass, people don't do that anymore, really. But if um, back in the day when, when you did, you had, a, you had your map and a compass. If you're a little bit lost, you're on a journey and you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're traveling and you can just keep going and hope that you're going to find your way. <laughs> or, 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 even, or even if the, if the intention is to get exercise, think, well, you know, I don't know where I am, but, you know, at least I'm getting exercise. But if you get lost, you stop. And then you get your map out and you get your compass and you try and find out, find your bearings. And then you get back on track again. You kind of, oh, okay, actually, I need to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. I know where I am now. Mm -hmm. And I know where I, I need to be yeah. heading. Yeah. Uh, I also know where I've been yeah. and, uh, and the route I've taken. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, that's a great so, metaphor too, because it's, it is, there is a kind of perpetual motion in ministry where you just, keep going and maybe to some degree you you like you're saying at least i'm getting exercise i mean at least at least people are being served or ministries happening and it's that it is something about that stopping and getting your bearings yeah i definitely think it was key and i think the fact that we were learning with other people as well gave us that confidence then to go back into our situation um yeah so i think it accelerated yeah. what we maybe would have got to eventually but okay. yeah yeah okay and, and i think um i mean the good thing was that when, when we did stop and get our bearings we saw other travelers along the way mm. who said look we're going that direction too so sure well, let's walk together and yeah. so there were people who came alongside us from that point mm. uh which proved quite significant uh sounding boards along the way mm. our churches all look different um but similar and, uh, and so it was really helpful to have people sort of join us on that journey. And, and I guess a great question, Brian, because the whole COVID thing, coronavirus has caused right. one huge, yeah. huge sabbatical in, in right. some sense where yeah. the normal jogging has stopped yeah. right. and everything has kind of been uh, deconstructed. And I suppose now it's that reconstruction piece, which I think church churches now need to make. I think it's an interesting your your uh, your metaphor, Paul. I think just about the map. I think maybe you're right to link it with with this time. It, it, it isn't. I don't know. Many people will call it a sabbatical, as in it's time out and time. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, it is stressful time. A lousy it's, sabbatical. It's a really rubbish. <laughs> <Yeah>. Terrible. Um, <laughs> we go back to the states, but we're not. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely given people a chance to stop and realize maybe that they're lost and maybe a time to reassess that because it has forced us to pause. So, and, and I think some people have taken that time out and, and, and asked the question about what church is, where are we going? They've had that conversation or those things rumbling around their heads for so long. They've had those conversations with some of their leaders. And I think it's interesting, some of those questions, a lot of people will just go back to normal, back to open doors, eventually back to normal. But there are people wrestling through 
um, some of those things. Before we think a little bit about maybe where, what you're thinking coming out of this, could you just um, explain a little bit more about how your church um, works, what it looks like, the components of it? And, and maybe even before that, you've been in Limavady how long? And uh, just paint a bit of a picture of, of what that church looked like. I know you, you said a little bit about it earlier. Like, it's not like you've come with, come to this perfect church where everyone's willing to go with whatever you say. Um, what did that look like? Well, when we arrived, it was seven years ago, this okay. month, actually. And um, is that right, or is it six? Six. Sorry, right, six. <laughs> Felt like seven, though. Feels like seven, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was 2014, so it's six years, <clears throat> six years this summer. Um, and I think there was only, like, about nine people left mm -hmm. there. Um, and they were all old and faithful. The church had, been, had gone through quite a lot of difficulty, a lot of people leaving, a lot of decisions that were made about the renovation of the building, which meant a lot of people left. So the people that were there, I guess, were there because they really um, wanted to be and um, they were prayerful. And and then it started to grow after about that, well, within that first year. Um, and then when we were able to invest a bit more time in it, because we were focused on the one place, um, we then invited people into our home to eat together and um, and that's the official life group. Um, and then maybe a year or so after that, we I started a, a little girl, a, a woman's kind of get together a, on a smaller scale, which is what we now call DNAs, where we try and get three or four girls or guys together to just get into the nitty gritty of life and, and walk with each other well, um, read the Bible, pray together. Uh, so that would be the small, small groups that then were started fairly soon after the life group with the, the ladies that we had um, and at that stage then there were some more people starting to join so we then tried to encourage a couple of those DNAs to be going on um, um, so DNAs is the small small then life group would be with children involved and a few families together or the way they are now we've got a group of older people that would meet together um, and they would they'd be mostly retired people um, and they they're great they have um, a couple leading that and then there's three other groups which would be a mixture of um, families um, young young like in their 20s a few in their, their 20s age group and again we're just in, we have been encouraging them to to eat together and to to some form of of learning together um, and to, to just have that regular in touch with each other. Try not to have another event, but it being a family that you're belonging to. And so you're in touch with them through the week. You're just checking in, helping out practically when needed um, and just trying to meet together as regularly as possible. And then we still would have had the Sunday, Sunday morning piece as well. Um, but again, trying to keep that as informal and, and open and friendly and welcoming as possible. So, you know, had your tea and coffee to start so it was very much relationship based and then you know the kids would have had their time together um, as well so yeah i suppose in, in, in a nutshell it's the dna's it's basically that group of friends who help each other follow jesus uh, a very small group and and then the life groups where the function of church happens best is what we talk about here so all that you feel church should be doing uh, it's kind of devolving that into life groups, pouring that back into into life groups. Say, here, are guys, you know, the service, the mission, the discipleship, the, the family reality, 
um, see these things uh, bear fruit in your life group and uh, and be nimble and uh, in your community to do what you feel needs to be done for Jesus there. Um, so Paul, in the thinking about life groups then, like a lot of, I suppose most churches would, their main thing or the thing that takes the most amount of energy or staffing or uh, cost, volunteers, whatever, would be probably the Sunday gathering. That would be an important part of being together. And we're not saying that that's not important. But would you then say that your life groups are a thing that you would maybe invest more time in or view as the crucial element of what church is? Yeah, I think we're trying to aim for that to be the case. I think a lot of people still see it. The Sunday thing is, is probably the main thing and that life group is a really good addition to that almost. Um, and the place where they just have that smaller group to get to know really well and they, they do feel like family with them. Um, yeah, Here's where the tension is really because um, for people, Sunday's always been, the Sunday gathering's always been the tip of the iceberg. So people, that's the, the most visible part of church is this advertised um, celebration together uh, where everyone gets together and sees each other and, and worships God together. But actually, we, we know that the, the bulk of an iceberg is hidden. <laughs> and, uh, and really, for us, we're in this process of trying to sort of tip tip the iceberg over so that um, the what is seen uh, from the church family here in Limavadi is is evidenced through life groups a lot more than evidenced through uh, an hour and a half on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, so However, the, those all those three things just you can see just the, the strength that there is in us as a body together because mm. the, all those little relationships and and dnas that are meeting and the life groups you can see there's a real family connection whenever we do get together oh look they're they're so close together now and they're you know the relationships are are amazing and i think that's brought a real strength to the body together um and so it's been great to see that on on a you know in the like of a sunday or yeah. if we're doing an old church kind of you know barbecue or something you can see how it needs those little groups and the the little connections for it to just look so much stronger um, Paula, was the was the move towards thinking about life groups and dna groups was it a, a just a, a way of reorganizing church or was there a desire on on your part or for the church to just rediscover that kind of missional element of what church is about. Like, what does that look like in life groups, DNA groups? Has that changed the church or is it just the church is closer now or there's a few more people? Did you explain that a bit? Yeah, well, I suppose we'd love to see more of the effect on other people outside the church um, as a direct result of, of life groups. I suppose um, there's people doing mission in their ones and twos and in their life, which is then added to the life groups, if you like. Um, but as a group of people, I suppose it hasn't been that thing which has then um, created life change in other people. As a group, do you know what I mean? It's not been like there's been um, missional activity happening within a life group that's then um, encouraged other people along. But it's people in their workplaces or people in their friendships that's then led to life transformations and then they've integrated into life groups from from that so i suppose it's that's the difficult thing i think for for life groups to to find that missional kind of 
mm-hmm. outreach as a group of people together, which, you know, that's us all learning together how that works. Um, but I think people's mindsets have changed and that they're coming knowing that they are missionaries wherever they are in their families and in their workplaces. And I suppose you've got to start in that you've got to start somewhere don't you now if the culture is going to change and people are going to see themselves as missionaries not yeah. just me and paul um starting in their well, I, th- I think sometimes we can we can actually underestimate the um the profound missional potency of something as simple as hospitality so you 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 said earlier that you're trying to make them places that are welcoming you know and it's not that it's not that what we do on Sunday morning isn't welcoming, like we're we don't want you to come in here or something. But there there are more barriers, right, to people walking into a worship service or a sanctuary on Sunday than into our homes or or to a meal around our table or to a discussion over a cup of tea or something. So I I, just, I think there's there's like missional intentionality or or potency just even in breaking down the church into something that happens in homes or happens in regular places like coffee shops or something. Now, you know, as you know, as leaders, you st- we still have to get that, that urgency. Like you said earlier, you want every person in your church to see themselves as a missionary. And, and when that identity is there and you couple that with hospitality, something as, as simple, as primitive as just come into my home and, and let me share my life and you share your life. Is, don't you think that's kind of missionary uh, somehow? Yeah, yeah. Hugely. I mean, we are seeing that in, in part. Like, I suppose it's for us naturally the family reality of a life group, the mm-hmm. um, the learning together stuff, the service even comes on people in our culture comes more naturally when it then changes gear slightly to try and uh, you know show and share Jesus. Then um it's it's trickier to do as a group but we have seen the whole the whole the hospitality piece from even within uh the group which tends to have a, a few more retired people in um mm. they yeah. they would they, they moved there once once a month they were moving their life group to meet in the church hall because there was also a, a, um, a wee drop-in for the parish nurse and people who are maybe a bit lonely in the in, in the day would drop them in the parish nurse, and then they'd have a their life group would have their lunch up there, and invite them to stay. Yeah. And so people were then sort of filtered in to their life group uh, once a month then for yeah. for uh, for a lunch, and then some of them then went to on to join the life group yeah. and become yeah. part of our church family. Yeah. Yeah, there's been little stories like that along the way, which has been really encouraging. And I think it's also understanding the people you're working with. I suppose Limavilla is a great wee place, but um, it's known for being quite a suspicious place as well. So actually, for some people, they come on on a Sunday morning where they're a little bit more anonymous. They can suss us out a bit. They get the hospitality in that bigger setting where they can kind of like just observe and listen it's not quite as intense as coming to someone's house so it's been hospitality yes in our home but also within the church Mm. as you gather on a Sunday like we you know that is the the most important thing is they get that welcome they get a cup of tea everybody's around talking to them you know and they are uh, the church is brilliant at that Mm. um and that has has made really good connections with people as well who have stuck around but um maybe not been in a life group yet so um Mm. So yeah, the hospitality is absolutely key in, in all of that. Um, that we're it's doing. been, a, it's been a, a slow process for you. There's been some amazing stories and it's been amazing seeing people come and be part of life groups and part of the church. 
but it sounds like it's slow. And I think it's it, from from the way you speak, it sounds like the culture is changing in the church, where people use are using a different language. Are you know, yeah, maybe your life groups aren't going on mission together and doing amazing things, but individuals are starting to see themselves as missionaries. So it is a culture change, and that that's a massive thing to yeah. believe. Yeah, and and those wee changes, sorry, um, those wee changes are massive, aren't they? It's mm. trying to recognise actually that that person now coming along to that life group that wasn't before. That's only one person, but it's massive. So it's not massive numbers we're talking about, um, but it is it's, it is impact. It's incredibly steady, and I think a lot of it's uh, thinking about the chap- time in chaplaincy, so breaking down stereotypes as well. Because I think a lot of people who maybe come into the orbit of our life groups rather than church have actually uh, loved what they've been hearing about, you know, church mm-hmm. in expressed in that way. And those of you who maybe joined us for a meal um, have just experienced um, church hugely differently than they've mm-hmm. ever have. Mm-hmm. And uh, have had, their, I suppose, their, their imagination enlarged because they go, this is church. Yeah. Um, and that's someone who wasn't a Christian and, and just to, to see that. I suppose the, the journey is, is slow. There's a story from, from the earlier time here where we, we started off in this process and things were starting to change uh, culturally. And there was uh, one of the members of the church, the, the founding sort of people when we were here uh, in our sort of church praying. And I happened to be in the church then at the same time and she was crying, she was upset. And uh, being the warm-hearted pastor that I am, <laughs> I just sat there and watched her cry. No, I, I went over and just to say, you know, uh, UK, just went to pray about together. And, and for her, she was crying because she knew that the direction we were traveling as a church family was right and what God wanted uh, us to, to journey towards. But she was also finding it hard personally to be letting go of a, a lot of things that, or, or the vision of church that she had known and grown up with. And, grown up with. Um, and so she was crying, I suppose, because as a disciple, a disciple in obedience to say, look, I know this is right. I know this is where God wants us to be. I'm just sad letting go of the other stuff. Mm. And do not, do not underestimate that at all um, from the existing people. And, and I think that story just encapsulates something of maybe where many people come from, mm. uh, even if they, they, they maybe have had a church experience somewhere else and come along to us, they come with this great picture of, of what church should be what ingredients make a church, how busy a church should be to be like a viable, um, active body of Christ. Uh, and when they come among us, it's slightly different and we're conscious that we have to let go of a few things. It's interesting, uh, Paul, that you share that story. And Paula, earlier you mentioned that when you got to the church that there were a faithful group. And I know in conversations just over the past two or three years with with churches, I suppose, like Limavadi, there is this the line that you hear from people that they're a faithful church. Mm. And a lot of the time, and I don't know if this is the case in Limavadi, it's possibly not, but a lot of that time is a faithful presence of our denomination or our church has been here X number of years and we want to be faithful to keeping those doors open. And I wonder, and you've maybe done it with the cultural changes, it's changing our idea of what we're faithful to 
that it's not faithful to an expression of church, but faithful to Jesus and faithful and opening people's imaginations to what church could be. Because I think a lot of people can't see anything different because that's what they've been used to. And I think our challenge for maybe more of the denominational churches, older churches, is to help people ask that question is what they're faithful to. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really true. That's really true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something that story I told. It's, I think it was a letting go of being faithful to that Methodist presence. Yeah. In, in, and I want to use the word Methodist with, with a sense of the traditions and the idea of what makes... Uh, Methodist expression um, to just yet being faithful to to what Jesus was calling her and all of us onto, mm-hmm. um, which still resonates with what the Methodist Church and you know, indeed all churches should stand for. Um, yeah, but I, I guess it, it's been it's been slow and steady because there's great gravity in that. There's a, a huge gravity in the what people know of church there's a huge gravity in springing back to um the way things were uh, particularly when you come to maybe things such as harvest you know occasions like that which completely the first uh, sort of time just pulled the rug from under our feet because we were moving in a certain direction mm-hmm. uh, the church had changed the sunday the sunday feel and culture had changed as far as how we gathered but also we were focusing more on life groups and then, of course, harvest came, and and all of a sudden we were having uh, a harvest. Uh, people, there was a desire for a harvest service with special music and a supper and a tea and all this. And we get that's a cultural thing. Limavad is a, a, a rural market town, um, so <laughs> navigating that one has mm. been done really badly by me every, <laughs> every year because. I want us to hold on to um, our direction of travel as a church. I want us to be um, leaning into the right things. Uh, and yet something like that comes along and all, all automatically what, what you can see if we're not careful is this reversion back to um, what they knew. And so I was just very conscious that the, the pull of the past and the pull of people's experience and the safety in that is not to be underestimated and so for us leadership this past six years um has been quite tiring in the sense that we've been having to hold the tension uh uh pulling against gravity if you like and just holding on to the tension so to allow the stretch to happen so that um we arrive at a place hopefully where um the gravity no longer holds on to us uh, the way it did I think there's a lot. There's a lot of people probably listening to this, guys, that um, are, you know, intrigued or even moved by the ideas that you maybe a few steps ahead on. You know, trying to reorganize your church into something that's more communal, has the potential for mission. You know, seeing yourselves in a slightly different way, and maybe you know, tearing up and crying a bit about the change that's, that's coming. Um, but spe- I, I, I guess I want to ask you, you know, before we let you go to speak to the, the minister, the pastor, the church leader, who's, who wants to do that, who's maybe at that sabbatical moment, you know, where they, 
they they feel that it should be different. They they have they're starting to get some sense of what they wish it would be. And just in the six years of that journey for you or whatever, um, and and even Paul, you saying maybe some things you don't do perfectly well. So it could be a cautionary piece of advice, you know, uh, or or just give a pastoral word to those leaders, you know, in in the transition. What. what to, what what can they be thinking about or or just even hold on to maybe in what, what may be a difficult season of transition of moving from where we were to to where we hope to be can you guys give just just a i don't know a, an encouragement or a word of advice yeah I think the the most helpful bit of advice uh, i got Join sabbatical, you know, from all our experiences and for the people who came alongside us and helped us chew things over, was uh, was to just do something. And I know that sounds really trite, but actually, a lot lot of us we we wait we, in leadership. We spend time weighing things up and worrying about the people, and uh, and then concerned that if I, you know, if this was the way we go, what about these group of people here? Uh, and and that actually can actually stunt us a bit. It stops us from actually taking that step. But to, to just do something, to lean into the thing that God has put on your heart, mm. and even if it's something small, a small beginning, um, what that um, if it's of Jesus, it will stick. As, yeah. And and in doing that in turn and communicating that to your people. So let's say you started a missional community, a, a pilot group in your in your church family. Um, if you communicate what you're doing with all those in the church who maybe aren't part of it and, and let them know what it's like, uh, let them in on the picture. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's one way of just sort of sowing a seed of something different in transition. So, uh, so, so allowing people to maybe experience a different way whilst maybe they're still um they're still got their feet on on, mm. on what has been solid for them up to that point yeah and i guess just investing in the few mm. so mm. not trying to change everybody all at once like you were saying you know it's okay to start with a few people but just invest invest time invest love in them relationship build trust yeah. so that you've got people alongside you um, you couldn't you can't do it on your own you know and and as a leader it's almost like you've got to be relatable to so you've got to be you've got to be alongside these people you've got to be sharing life it's not it doesn't work if it's the leaders aloof from people yeah. you know we've got to be walking alongside the people in this yeah it's definitely not like don't don't crack on with some huge structural change reorganization of the uh the structure i think that's that's really i mean if people are really competent in that go for it but but mm. but personally yeah, it's just about starting small grab some people who are interested uh, but let people know communicate communicate what's and going just make on. it about jesus yeah. and make it less about church and more about jesus together mm -hmm. um and and in all of that as we all know it's about making sure that mm. you keep keep abiding in Jesus ourselves mm -hmm. you know we've always known if we don't let his love pour into us we're never going to have anything to pour out to other people and so we've got to be healthy with Jesus ourselves um, and, and making sure that's a priority in all of this and being prayerful and and every situation is different it's not like 
you know, I mean, the theories is, is there, but I guess you've got to work out the details in your own situation, which is why prayer is, is the key, is listening, just listening really well to the Spirit and keeping on step with the Spirit and all of the little decisions and um, everything that's going on. Um, because without that, you know, it's, it's pointless. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is, and be okay with mess. Like, it's incredibly messy. And I know that a lot of, church leaders are clean freaks you know the sense that they want things to be have a good name uh, be organized in seven boxes and to be well well you know paragraphs about this and paragraphs about that it's gonna be messy because i suppose um what we're, what we're leaning into is the fact that we want church to be a proper family uh on mission together and families are really messy and unpredictable and don't always do and live and function as you want uh organizations maybe sit under a set of rules and boundaries but families are just thriving characters who mm. who pull together with a common bond of love yeah yeah totally not my family my family's perfect there's no well that's because you're american right, right. <laughs> if only, you knew. If only you knew it's a good word and I think as well, I think just being um, vulnerable in it as well and, and letting your people know that, you know, we're learning along the way and, and just that, that, just that humility, I suppose, that we need to just keep in check um, so that, you know, I think that's the thing. We're on a journey together in this learning. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, thank you. It's really, really helpful. Those few words just, and, and quite simple as well, walking with Jesus, starting something, you know, working with the few it's really helpful. And I think all of us have an opportunity and still have that opportunity this summer to be thinking about that mini sabbatical or this four sabbatical where we've a time to, to rethink differently. So thank you for putting out ideas, just sharing your heart and honesty and those stories. It's been really helpful to, to hear where Lima Valley's at. We look forward to walking with you more and hearing more stories. And we do know it's slow. It's not suddenly the magic happens and everything's perfect. Um, we do pray that that tension will continue, that eventually um it'll just flow and uh people will take it on themselves it's not you always holding the tension so thank you paul and paula for joining us thanks guys uh, today it's been great thank you you've been listening to mission disco a podcast by praxis movement you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at praxis movement Subscribe, like or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or online at praxismovement.com.